today is Jules Royer. Jules does not have breast cancer. Why don't you tell us what, what it is that you have? Sure, I have something called multiple myeloma, which is a cancer of the plasma cells. So though the plasma cells are the ones that, that support your immune system, that give the, you fight off infection with that, and it's in the bone marrow. And it also can develop in the kidneys as well, which is what mine is. Uh, most people have breaks and that's when they develop, they find out about the myeloma. I had kidney failure when I found out about mine. I was just going to ask you, was, were, did you have any symptoms? I had no symptoms. I had no symptoms. It was a time where I always have my annual physical. So I had my annual physical like I always do every year. And my doctor said that my blood pressure was a little bit high. She took it a couple of times while I was there. And yeah, I wasn't going down. So she decided to put me on a on a machine. She gave me a machine to, to, to monitor my blood pressure for a whole day. So I did that. I was at work. I had to, every time the stupid thing buzzed, I had to stop and stand still like a robot. <laughs> a blood pressure machine to work. So that was a lot of fun. And everybody was looking at me wondering what the hell is wrong with this woman. But I explained to them what was going on. So, uh, so she finally got the results on a Friday uh, in December. Uh, the first, I think it was the first Friday in December of 2013. She got the results. So she called me in and she said, oh, come on in. I've got the results. Your blood pressure is high. I seem to get it down. It's hereditary. My parents both have blood pressure. They both take medication. So I just thought that's part of it. So she gave me a blood pressure pill to take. Very small, very minor. I took that. I went to get the prescription on the Saturday. And then I asked the pharmacist, when should I take it? He said, if you take it in the morning, take it every morning. If you take it at night, take it every night. So I thought, I'll start it at night, that, that Saturday night. So before I went to bed, I took it. The next morning, I got up as normal. I did my, got ready to go to church. I went to church. While I was in church, I kind of felt, oh, something's wrong. Something's not right. I'm feeling really weird. It was December, so I was hot. So I was thinking, okay, it's just, you know, maybe it's because of all the clothes I have on. So I started taking off. That wasn't working. So I thought, yeah, no, something is definitely wrong. So I went home. I, I didn't even finish mass. I, I, I left and went home and I thought, I better get something to eat because it looks like I'm, maybe I'm weak. I'm getting weak or something. So I grabbed something to eat when I got home. And then I was sitting around and I had to go to the bathroom. So I got up and I collapsed on the floor. So I was like, okay, something's not right because why am I collapsing on the floor? Was this so, just right after you, like the day after you took your pill? Yeah, the day after. Yeah. So I just thought I was having a reaction to the medication. And so, you know, the list they give you when you're in uh, of all the side effects that you can get. I never yeah. read those things. I usually throw them away. So I went digging for that one. And I thought, okay. So I started ticking off all the, the symptoms. And I thought, okay, I have a lot of these symptoms. I got to get to the hospital. But I realized I couldn't drive. So I called my sister and I said to her, oh, are you home? And she goes, oh, no, I'm in Brampton. She lived in, at the time I was living in Milton. Okay. She lived in Milton as well. So she says, no, I'm in Brampton. So she said, is everything okay? I said, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to worry. So I called my neighbor downstairs and he brought me to the hospital. They ran all kinds of tests. I said to them, I just took a, medication i think it's just a reaction to that so i won't take it anymore and then we'll just they said no 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 we'll check for everything and then they said no something's not right so i was in the hospital the whole day and then they said okay uh could you come back tomorrow for an ultrasound which is a monday so i said okay so i called up work and i said uh listen i'll be home i'll be at work this afternoon i gotta go for this ultrasound i was in the hospital all day it's just a reaction to medication blah 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 so i got into the hospital that morning melton general and they taking blood work and i said okay uh you guys 
test where you're going to play leave. So then, you're not leaving just yet. We want to run your blood work again. I was like, what's going on? So when I said, can you tell me what's going on? So she said, yeah, your creatin level, which is your kidney function level, is just keeps rising every time we take your blood blood work. And I thought, oh, okay then. She says, oh, okay, we're not really sure what's going on. So that's why we were eating it. So in the end, it turned out my kidneys were failing. Uh, my creatin level, which is normally between 100 and 120 for normal people, mine was almost 900. So it was, I would have complete kidney failure. So they don't have a dialysis in it there. So they ended up bringing me to Oakville Trafalgar Hospital where they have a kidney dialysis center there. I was on dialysis for about eight hours the first time, flat on my back, didn't know what was going on, wondering, oh my God, this freaking little pill I took is bloody causing all this disaster. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> So yeah, I ended up in hospital there on a dialysis machine for eight hours the first time. And then they said, yeah, we're admitting you. You're not going anywhere. Your kidneys are totally failed. So you have to do dialysis for you three times a week for at least four hours each time. And we've got to figure out what's going on. So I told them exactly. I wasn't feeling any symptoms. In fact, I've been celebrating my birthday the week before. And you know me, I celebrate my birthday for a whole month. I start telling my friends, okay, it's November 1st, my birthday month. You guys get ready. Everybody knows that Jules celebrates her birthday for the whole month. So I was celebrating celebrating my birthday. So I didn't have any symptoms, nothing. I could tell them nothing because nothing was going on except for the blood pressure. So they did a, a biopsy of my kidneys. They couldn't really find anything. They didn't know what was going on. So then they did a pelvic biopsy. That's when they found it was the myeloma. What's a pelvic biopsy? They freeze an area like a really long needle with a little curve at the end. They poke it into you, take a scrape of the bone marrow and then pull it out. And that's when they found out that there was myeloma cells in there and that's what was causing my kidneys to fail. I had tons of myeloma in my body, cancerous cells. And so mind you, I had been in the hospital for three weeks. And then Christmas Eve, I started my first chemo treatment. So I was actually in one hospital. They transferred me. They took, no, they, they got a taxi to take me to another hospital to get uh, my, my cancer treatment. Spent the whole day there. So I was there from about 8.30 till about three o'clock. Because you get blood work, then you have to wait, then you have to see the doctor, then you have to they have to find out how much uh, medication they're going to give you, then they've got to give you tablets, which is on top of the medication, and they've got to give all kinds of stuff that was going on, which I wasn't aware of all of this. And then by the time I had gone back to Oakville Trafalgar, it was about, about four o'clock, and I was exhausted. So I just lay on the bed, and I was just about to fall asleep when the nurse came in and said, she got to go down for dialysis. So I went down for dialysis around five o'clock and I was there till about nine o'clock. So that was such the <laughs> worst day ever. So I thought, okay, I've had my chemo. Can I come out now? Can I leave the hospital? Wow. They said no, because they wanted to see if I had a reaction to the chemo I just had. So I stayed overnight, but thank God Christmas day, I was allowed to go home and I was so happy, but I stayed at my sister's. Wow. That's how it all started. So let me ask you before you keep going on, you had no other symptoms other than? None whatsoever. And, and it was just when you went for your checkup, high blood pressure, that was it. Now no is that normal? normal for people with multiple myeloma? I think it's normal for the people who have the condition that I had because my multiple myeloma, like I said, it was generated in my kidneys. Okay. Most people not. I'm quite rare. Most people, they get a break in their leg, they get an injury in their leg, they get a bone fracture, they get bone back pain, bone pain, and that's how they find it through that. I didn't have any pains, I didn't have any, any nothing. I, I was I was fine, I was healthy, I was eating healthy, I was nothing, no symptoms whatsoever. Then that's what I was telling the doctor, I said, yeah, I know I was fine. I was fine until I took this stupid pill. <laughs> 
and it looked like it came out within the year because the previous year I had blood work done and nothing like that came out. I didn't have any high blood pressure or anything like that. So it was within the year that this was all going on in my body and I had no idea. So I went on holiday. Yeah, I was traveling. I was doing everything. So then you got to spend Christmas with your sister and I her did. family. Yeah. Yeah, they all took care of me and I, I did. It was it was hard because I was I guess I was having effects from the drugs and stuff. I had blurred vision, my eyes were really, really red. I didn't have any energy. Plus I had just done dialysis, so and I was still have to I still had to go back for dialysis. I was getting dialysis three times a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And then I was getting chemo twice a week, Monday, no, Tuesday and Friday. The only day I had off was Thursday. Like on Thursday, did you have to go in for blood work and everything? Didn't have to do anything, but God, I still had to take medication here at home. The other days I had to go in the hospital. How long did that last for, Jules? My dialysis lasted until December, January, February. So you were diagnosed in what year? You were diagnosed in November? It was December 2013. 2013. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you went till January 2014 for dialysis? For dialysis, yeah. And then your chemo, how long was your chemo for? My chemo went until April, and then I had a stem cell transplant in May. Of 2014? 2014, yeah. Okay, and what was the stem cell transplant? That was to basically wipe out as many, because with the chemo, it did do a lot of, it killed a lot of the, the cancerous cells. It did do that, but it didn't kill all of them. There were still quite a few of them there. So what happens with the stem cell is they, they give you this uh, medication, which is a high-powered chemo drug, to try and kill off the remaining or as many cancerous cells as they can. Mm -hmm. And then they give you back the cells that they harvested from you a few days before back into your body. You regenerate and start producing new cells. It's quite weird and technical. And when it was happening, I didn't really know what was going on. All I knew is I was really, really sick and uh, I didn't like it. Yeah. The actual infusion, I did get sick and I got really, really, I got really, really hot and really, really cold. Um, so they had to put warm blankets on me and stuff like that. There were nurses there, there were doctors there, the technicians there. It was just, it, was, it felt like I was a lab rat. You know, everybody was there watching. He asked if they, the students could come in and, and watch. And I was like, oh my. And I said, yes, because I thought, you know, this is learning. I'm helping them. Was learn. it a teaching hospital? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was teaching Ravinsky yeah. is, um, it's a teaching hospital. Yeah, it's a cancer center in Hamilton and it's a teaching hospital. It, they've got students and stuff coming in. So I said, yes. But didn't realize how sick I would be, how terrible I was looking. And it was just, but there was a, a point where I just didn't care how I looked. <laughs> I was like, I just don't want to be sick no more. So yeah, so day one, they gave you the, the high dose chemo. So they gave that high powered dose. And then the second day, that's when they came in and, and gave you back your cells. Now they had frozen the cells. When did so they when, harvest your cells? They harvest them about a week before. So I had to go into the hospital for a whole day and this machine, I got on this machine, couldn't leave the machine. So if you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom right there. Um, I was on the machine for about eight hours and it was basically taking good cells out of my body. Through your blood? Through my blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This machine was, was taking blood out, then circulating it, cleaning it up, storing some of it and then putting the rest back. The, what they took, they froze. So they get, ended up getting about 10 million cells. Which is that a lot? Really good. Yeah. Because they okay. could do two stem cells with that. 
Okay. Um, and that was in one day. They give you about two days to try and get between eight and 10. I got 10 in one day, which is great. I know some people had to go back the second day and they didn't even get 10. Some of them only got six or seven, but 10 was good because they said, yeah, that's good because we can harvest it and we can, if you need another stem cell, we can use 5 million for the second stem cell. So yeah, so when they were putting it back in me, it was cold. You could feel it go into your body and it was it's freezing. It was this big giant needle with the stem with the cells in it and then they would just poke it into your port so it was uh, it was interesting um, like I said I was sick uh, after it all happened it, the second day after this happened they, they harvested it went back into my body did the stem cell transplant and stuff the second day the third day I was feeling fine I thought oh this is not bad it's all right I can handle this and then it hit me I couldn't eat anything I couldn't drink anything I would do I was on one I was on because they weren't sure how I was going to react to it because um, they hadn't done many people with kidneys. So they didn't know how my kidneys were going to react to it. So my kidneys did not like it at all. So I was sick the whole time I was there. Couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink anything. I was on IV. You Basically, your body goes into zero. You have no immune system whatsoever. So basically you're trying to build up everything back. It could be white blood cells, your red blood cells. You might need everything. Trying to build it up again because you're starting at zero right when they give you when you they wipe it all out yeah so that that was hard my body was was yeah i was suffering i was really suffering that first stem cell and how long were you in hospital for i was in hospital for three weeks then i had another two weeks at home on iv and thank goodness my mother and father came down so my they stayed with me my mom came down she stayed with me and she took care of me she was a former nurse so great having her because i i, bet. I could have i couldn't have done it on my own i really couldn't have my kidneys have, have been damaged because they went rock bottom they were zero they weren't functioning at all they were never going to be getting up to what normal people function with their kidneys. The one thing I have to watch as time goes on is, is my kidney function, because if it gets to a, a lower point than it is, then I will have to go back on Dallas. And are there tests, daily tests you have to take? Monthly. I take a monthly test. Right now it's monthly. If I, when I relapse, I have to get it weekly, mm -hmm. but right now it's monthly so they can check the creatine level and the kidney function level and things like that. So multiple myeloma is there stages of it or is it just like Not stage really. one and it's funny because i did ask my doctor that one time when i saw her i said yeah you know they have stages for cancer for all these other things does myeloma have stages she goes no not really because it's so individual and so different from everybody they can't really stage it they can only tell you what you get after the stem cell and with me you can get Full remission. Some people do get full remission. I didn't. I got partial remission, uh, which means that there were still cancer cells in the body, but they were not making any more. Okay. She highly recommended that I go on a chemo drug called a maintenance drug, which would keep the cancer cells at bay, make them not grow anymore. So I had been on that drug, Revlimide. I started that in September 2014, and I was on it until... October 2018. So it gave me a good four years. So normally, and it was an oral drug, so they delivered it to my house and I took it. I was taking it three times a week for three weeks and then had a week off. First, I had quite a few side effects because I was taking a higher dose. So we just had to adjust the dosage and the amount of time that I took it. And that kind of helped with the, the side effects that I was getting from it. And what um, were the side effects? A lot of pain, a lot of bone pain, leg pain, which I didn't have before. 
I was walking with a limp. I had to use a cane to buy a cane. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like an old woman. And this is all happened. I was 47 years old when I was diagnosed. So, wow. you know, this could be really hard. Blurred vision, foot pain. It, it, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was a lot of pain. So we kind of had to do things to adjust that and see different doctors for certain things. So uh, the one thing I, I really liked about my doctor, and I still like about her, that if I tell her something, she's and she doesn't know the answer she will make sure that she gets the answer or she sends me to someone to get the answer she's just on the ball like that i remember when i saw her after i left hospital uh, for the first time just after christmas and i was telling her you know i over christmas i said i was at my sister i said yeah my eyes were really red and they were really puffy and, and she says why don't you go to the hospital i said oh, i think it's just a reaction to the you know the chemo the first chemo that i got i didn't bother with it by the time I got home after I saw her, I got a call from an eye surgeon who told me that they had an appointment for me to see him between his surgeries at the hospital that Thursday. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I mean, she was just on the ball. I could not believe it. So I ended up going to the hospital and seeing him between his, his surgeries. And, you know, he made appointments for the same thing because one of the things that you can develop as well as, as uh, glaucoma. Is that um, from the medication? And that's from the medication. Yeah, that's from the chemo. So they were worried about that. So that's why I, she had me see him. And I didn't know anything about this. When he told me, I said, oh, okay. Then. He, he said, yeah, she, she's, she's on the ball like that. I mean, with my leg pain, I ended up going to an internal doctor. It's just, she's just really, really, really good. So I wouldn't never leave her. <laughs> Let's give a shout out to her. What's her name? Dr. Andrea Lee. Oh, Hospital. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Lee. <laughs> for keeping our jewels in good spirits and good health as much as possible. Yes, she yes. is. So you were on medication from 2014 to 18. Did you have, after you were finished your first round of chemo treatments, did you have to do any more chemo? Yeah, that was the other chemo I had to do. With the oral yeah. chemo? The oral chemo, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've never really, the only time I really stopped chemo was uh, after my stem cell. So after the your first time or both times? Both times. Okay. Both times. So after the stem cell, they wait 100 days because the 100 days is the magic number when all your numbers should be at a good level. They'll have highs and lows, but that's when they check to see whether the, whether the stem cell has worked or not. And that's when they give you the prognosis, whether it's your remission, partial remission, no remission, partially very ready remissions, all these, these, these terms that they have for remission. And that's when they tell you that, and that's the only time that hundred days that I was not on any, any medication. And how did you feel with that? Well, that, that time I was, I was bald. Um, I was, Let's talk about the first time you did. Yeah, I, Cause I was still on IV when I left the hospital. So I was very, very weak. I didn't have any energy. I couldn't really eat anything. I couldn't really taste anything. So it was, it was a very hard time and it was summertime. So I wanted to be out and get out and, you know, but I couldn't. I mean, the first time I thought, oh, I'm feeling strong enough to go out. And I went out with my mom and we went shopping. Yeah, I got home and I lay down in bed and I said, mom, I'm really not feeling well. I'm just not, feel I was, I was shaking. I was, I was sweating and she called the emergency and they came, they, they had to, she called the ambulance to come and pick me up um, oh and they ended up taking me to hospital. Yeah. And I, I got an infection just from a little trip because unknown to me, my immune system was still rock bottom. So any little thing touching the, the handles on, on a shopping cart, anything there could have given me that infection. 
So yeah, I ended up in hospital. I was there for a couple of days with antibiotics. They kind of helped. That helped a lot. And then I, I ended up in hospital. And then after that, I thought, I'm going out until this 100 days is done. <laughs> I was scared. I was like, I'm not going out again. So I, I basically only went to hospitals uh, for my appointments and then came home. And that was it. I didn't, I didn't see it. People came by, but I said to them, you have to make sure that you're not sick. You don't have anybody in your household that's sick. And then I will, you can come and see me. And I was still in Milton at the time. So I only saw my friends in Guelph once because somebody either had been sick or they were around people that were sick. So I didn't end up seeing them a lot. Uh, it was mostly me and my mom and uh, my sister would drop by and stuff but yeah it was hard it was oh hard. gosh Jules so when did you move to Guelph and because we we met in tw about 2016 2017 yeah I was uh, I guess it was 2015 when the apartment I was the, the condo I was living in it was my family's condo they decided they were going to sell it so I thought okay fine so I started looking for something in, uh, in Milton but the prices were so expensive I was like so I thought oh, you know what I'm coming back to Guelph and I said I would commute the great thing is that the Cancer Society have um, something called Wills of Hope that yeah. will drive their patients to their hospital appointments. So I was able to get in touch with them and they would help me go from 12 to my appointment. So that was terrific. So, And I, I had all my friends here, so I didn't feel... Like I was going somewhere new. I, I was familiar with Guelph and everything. So I thought, yeah, let me come back to Guelph. So, and that's when, I guess around that time, I thought, okay, now I'm ready for support groups. Because I didn't even start, I didn't even go to a myeloma support group. I knew about it, but I didn't, I just wasn't ready with all the treatment that was going on, with all the pain I was having. I just didn't want to be, talk about it, be around it, be around people with it. I was just not ready to, to do the group thing friends and my sister and I thought oh that's enough I've got that support so that's enough then I thought you know what I need to find out I need to be around people who've got the same thing as me or women who've got cancer any kind of cancer and then I saw this over 45 group at Hope Spring and I thought ah that's not too far from here that's just in Kitchener at the time it was just a King Street yeah so it was it was close and I thought yeah that's 20 minutes I'm there so I thought yeah you know what I'm gonna try this thing so I tried that and at the same time I, I decided to try the support group the myeloma support group in uh, Oakville as well did you do both I went to there they had a um a potluck thing at some park so I thought maybe that's a way to just introduce myself to it so I called up Norma who was who was the, the president at the time and um, I said yeah I said I've heard about your support group she goes oh come along to the we're having this potluck so I thought okay it was by the uh, there's a nice little park actually by the water in um, in Mississauga so I thought okay yeah I'll, I'll take a drive there so I, I went there and met some nice people and I thought okay this is good and then they started talking about my loan and I thought oh and then they started talking about side effects and I thought oh they're having the same thing as me I thought oh this is good <laughs> we can get ideas about how to cure this all because the doctors they, they tell you about these side effects but they don't tell you how to deal with them it was nice to hear how other people are with it and they're going through the same thing and it's not just me and yeah it was it was good and the women's one it was even better because i was like these are all women and they all have cancer they understand what i'm going through and it was it was nice to be in that group because you could get emotional i remember getting emotional i remember crying and getting comfort from all you ladies and it was just it was something that i i, I would always be grateful always yeah me too i get it yeah because yeah. you walk in you really do walk in scared and unsure yeah. and feeling quite alone yes and the beauty i know for me the beauty about going to those groups was a you let me i you know i i say this in my intro you let me be an emotional wreck mm -hmm. 
and there was no judgment there was no criticism there was no trying to fix it you just let me be there and let me be where i was but the on the other side there was so much love so much and we had so much fun we did and there was wonderful tips and techniques that you just don't get at the hospital I mean, my favorite one was when I was sitting there and I was going, I don't know why my nose is running so much. And and I think it was you who said, your nose doesn't have any hair in it anymore. And I was going, oh my God, they don't tell you that in the hospital. And that library (laughs) of pamphlets and that, because they do, they give you a library of information. It's not in there. It's not in there. No, it's all technical stuff. But these little tips, they, they help. They really help. I remember when I was in the group and I, I got that letter from work saying that, that they no longer had a job for me. And I was 49, I guess I was 49 at the time. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm, I'm forced into retirement. And I just couldn't believe this was the point that I was at. And I read that letter to, to the group and I cried. I cried because it, does that mean I'm not working anymore? I can't work anymore? And it was, it was just that final thing. And I felt so alone and, you know, this, is, this can't be happening. And the comfort and love that I got from you guys, I was just like, okay, I can do this. I can handle this. No problem. And you guys gave me that strength that I could go on. Yeah, we, we're allowed to take our grief to that room. There's so many milestones, good and bad, and this, the group really supports us. And I never even thought that we would still be connected outside of the group after this. It's so rewarding that we've kept in touch and we're just so that they're so close. We're like a family. All my sisters. Yeah, I love my cancer chicks, man. Yep. My cancer chicks, our cancer chick. No, the cancer chicks. Love the, the cancer, cancer chick. chick. When did you start to figure out you needed another stem cell? This was around, I guess, in the summer of 2018. I was getting sick more that January. I, I, I was in hospital about three or four times for pneumonia. So I thought, yeah, something's wrong. So I just kept going, kept going. Little things were coming up and I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling not right. My blood work and the numbers started increasing. The creatinine level was going down, which is the percentage of my my kidney function was going down. It was stable at 40, 45% functioning. It was then down, going down to 30s. Then my doctor added a, a dexamethasone, which is a steroid. We thought that might help kick it and get it back in gear and get it working. So we were on that until about July till October. And then she said, yeah, yeah, this drug isn't working for you anymore. The myeloma is coming back faster and stronger. Let's go back and do the Cyborg D, which is the first type of uh, treatment that I had the first time. Go back and do that again and get ready for another stem cell. So I started that in October, did that till January. Um, so it was injections and pills and, and steroids, all that stuff again. So I wasn't happy about having to take 21 pills again a day. Dexamethasone, which is a steroid. You know about steroids, it gives you the up and down. You One minute you're cleaning the whole apartment in, in like a couple of hours and you've got all this energy. You just want to go, go, go like the ever ready bunny. And then next minute you're crashing. You don't want to be around anybody. You want to talk to anybody. And for me, I was very irritable when I was on it. When I think back, there were some things that... People would normally say, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother with it. I would just laugh it off and stuff. But I was finding myself, well, why are you saying that? You shouldn't be saying that. And I was just really moody. It really changed my mood. And I didn't like the person I was. I, I don't like steroids. I really don't like steroids. But it was a necessary evil that I had to, I had to go on. And then my second, second stem cell was actually last year. 
2019 in March because I didn't have to harvest my cells again because they had the 5 million from the first time I did it. But when we had the consultation at the hospital with the doctor that was going to do my stem cell, I did tell him, yeah, you know what? I'm really not looking forward to this. I said, the first time I had a really rough time. I was just sick the whole time. I said, can you do something about that? He said, yeah. So I thought, yeah, he's just saying that. But actually, it was way better than it was the first time. It wasn't terrific. It wasn't great. But I wasn't as sick as much because as soon as I started to feel sick, they were in there giving me the meds so I could tolerate it. But I still didn't have an appetite. So again, I was in the hospital for three weeks. This time when I came out, I was on IV for a lot longer. I had a nurse come in and change it twice a day. Again, my mom was with me. My mom and dad, both of them were with me this time. So they were a great help. But it was, it was another tough period, the 100 days, just trying to wait. And I, I didn't want to leave the house. I was too scared to go out anywhere. So I, I stayed home and I had a couple of people visit me and it was nice. But it was like, yeah, I'm not going out. <laughs> I don't want to get sick and end up in the hospital. And after that, um, I didn't get full remission. I got partial remission. So they decided that they're going to put me on another maintenance drug. Glad it was pill form. So they get delivered to my house. I've been on that since June last year. Um, Is that a chemo drug too, Jill? It's, yeah, it's a chemo drug as well. Been on that since June last year. She did tell me that it's not going to give me the four years. If I'm lucky, it will give me two. So I'm hoping that it will give me more than two because I know that after this treatment, um, I will be going into the hospital. For, they don't have any more pill form and I will not be able to get another stem cell. Why not? Two stem cells in this country, unless you can pay for it which um, is a lot of money. Yes. Uh, some people have had, uh, I've heard a couple of people from my support group have had a third stem cell, but they've, they've had to pay for it because they won't, uh, oh, hip won't cover it. Okay. Um, so number two, and then after that is this chemo medication that you'll be on. Now, right from the beginning, she did say that, you know, this is an incurable cancer. There's no cure for it. Not curable. They have, you're going to have, be taking some form of chemo for the rest of your life. That was hard to get my head around because I was no like, chemo for the rest of my life. I mean, I'm 47 years old. Like, yeah. So I've been struggling with that at the beginning, but I guess this is part of my new normal life. Chemo, side effects, more drugs. This, this is it for me. Right now, I'm happy that I'm, I'm able to still take this one. Um, my numbers have been going up a little bit, but nothing that she's too concerned right now. So we'll see how the next few months go, and then uh, we'll take it from there. And um, dialysis, do you still have to go for dialysis? Dialysis is done for now. When I first started the drug, my percentage for my, my kidneys was 40%. It's now down to 34. That's why they're a little concerned because it's, it's gone down. If it gets down to less than 20, then I'll have to go on dialysis. Because mm. uh, right now I do have chronic kidney disease. I'm in that category. So I do have a nephrologist though I see. So yeah, if it goes to less than 20%, then you got to go on dialysis. So I'm watching that number. And to be honest, I'm, more watch I'm watching that number more than anything else. I really don't care about the cat. It's there. And I know I'm going to have it. So I'm right. not really worried about it, but it's my kidneys. I want my kidneys and I want them to be functioning. And it was funny because when all this started and we thought it was my kidneys that were failing, we didn't realize it was cancer. I had all my friends saying, yeah, I can give you a, I can give you, I can give you a kidney. So I had a lot of list of people that said they could give me a kidney. And then we found out it wasn't kidney. It was the cancer. And I thought, okay, I don't need your kidney now. 
So is a kidney transplant an option for someone like you? I have you no idea. Mm. No, I have no idea. I don't know if that's possible or not with the blood and all that kind of stuff. I don't think so, to be honest, because my cancer is a cancer of the blood, right? So right. transplant, I don't think would be possible. So this, if I had to, if it went down to levels that um, that were, were not, were very concerning to them, then... I would be basically my kidneys would be failing again, and I would definitely have to go back, back right. on that. So I'm wow. watching that. Yeah. So this that's the scary part of it. And yes. I try not to think about it, but when I get the numbers and I look at them, I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> well, so you're coming up to two years now. Two years with it? Well, yeah, because yeah. For no, your last stem cell. No, my last stem cell was last year. Oh, last year. Okay. 2019. So they so, said two years from from that stem cell. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, so, longer yeah i hope so too praise god it's gonna be longer let me ask you something how do you keep your spirits up because i mean this is a lot jules my faith if it wasn't for my faith i don't think i would be here to be honest and i don't know how people i mean i guess people have their own ways of dealing with this kind of thing but mine is is, is my faith i pray i go to church and without that i don't i definitely don't think i would be here i wouldn't have the strength to be honest i wouldn't know where to turn i wouldn't be able to handle it Tell me about how you and Susan started your multiple myeloma support group. Well, we were going to go to the Oakville to fall group support group. Actually, I'm president because the lady who was president, she's taking a sabbatical. So I've decided to take on the reins because I was vice president anyway. So um, Susan and I were talking and we realized that, you know what, there's a lot of, I don't go to Grand River, so I didn't realize how many multiple myeloma people were out there. And it was, I guess, when we had the, the first walk. The Myeloma March walk in, I guess it was September of 2018. Mm -hmm. And I went and Susan went and a bunch of friends went and family. And we got there and we realized, oh my God, there's a lot of people. Because I I don't, like I said, I don't go to the Grand River. So I did not know how many people had multiple myeloma there. We realized, yeah, there's a need for a group in this area. Because the closest group we have, there's one in Hamilton. There was one in London that would have been a, the closest one to us or the one in, in Oakville. And we thought, yeah, you know what? There's a need for a group in this area. And I said, yeah, I said, but I, I couldn't, I could, there's no way I could do it by myself. I just, I just with appointments, with, with the, the, the side effects and the drugs. I said, yeah, I couldn't do it by myself. It's too much for one person to take on. So we decided that we were going to do it together and be co-chairs of this group. And we thought, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's start this. So. We contacted uh, Myeloma Canada, helps support, helps organize these groups, and we decided that we're going to have a meet and greet. They sent out the emails to all the people that were registered in from Kitchener, Waterloo, all this area, who were registered on their website, which is Myeloma Canada. They did a blast, and they sent out an email saying there's going to be a meet and greet. If you're interested, come along, and you know, because we're looking to start a support group here. We had some speakers, and they introduced us, and yeah, there was about 50 people that turned up. Mostly caregivers and, and patients. The uh, Myeloma Canada organized a couple of speakers from the Javinsky, which a lot of people go to, and one from Grand River. And it was it was such a great turnout. And so at the end of it, they said, "Okay, if anybody wants to be part of a support group, these are the ladies that are going to start the support group. Leave your name and, and address and, and whatever." Um, and Susan and I went looking for a place to have our meetings, so we couldn't have it there. We started looking at churches. We started looking at community centers. And wanted because we had no budget. It was just the two of us trying to look for something that was free or really, really, really cheap. Well, Susan managed to get us with this church in uh, in Kitchener. 
they would give us the space for free. It was a kitchenette and the nice comfy chairs like I'm sitting on now, and it was perfect. So we thought, awesome. So we started, we sent out a blast email. Uh, her and I got there. We didn't know if anybody was going to show up. We thought it would, we might just be the two of us. And that meeting we had, I think we had about 20 people show up and with their patients and caregivers or just patients or just caregivers. You know, the patients weren't ready to come to a support group of the, the caregivers. They need support as well. I mean, yeah. and since then, it's, it's been great. We've been having success. We've had two Zoom meetings and they've been quite successful. People want to be in touch. People want to know what the latest thing is and how everybody else is doing. And like you said, getting tips from everybody. So um, starting that group was really a good thing. I really enjoy it. And I really like the people that, that are coming and we're able to help them because like I said, I think I'm a veteran. I'm one of the ones that have had it the longest. Um, a lot of them are new. A lot of them just had the stem cells. So they want to know about the stem cells. So I've been through that. So it's great to be able to give that knowledge to people. I wasn't ready for it when I first started, but people are ready for it when they're in that starting that journey. So it's, it's, it's great helping them. So yeah, no, I love it. So um, anything else you want to impart? No, I, you know what? I think I've, I've, I've out talked, I've talked so much. But that's lovely. <laughs> Anyways, Jules, thanks for doing oh, this with me. And, oh, no problem. Um, this is great. Thank you. And I just have to say, you're such an inspiration to me. You're, yeah, well, you have such a great attitude and you're, you always come to the table with such grace and humor and, and honesty. And I love it. Thank you. Thank you you're so welcome. much. You're welcome. And this is Debbie Mann and Jules Royer from the Keep Your Pecker Up podcast. Yes. And uh, hit subscribe to hear some more. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jules. Oh, thank you so much. Talk to you later, love. Bye. Bye.